0: The UEFA Champions League round of 16 is off to a wild start and you can watch all the UEFA Champions League action live on Paramount+. Plus. The top clubs in the world go head-to-head trying to secure a spot in the quarterfinals. Those stakes higher than ever as soccer's brightest stars continue their hunt for history. Don't forget to catch the best pre- and post-match coverage in the game with the UEFA Champions League today. Get expert analysis from host Kate Abdo, analyst Thierry Henry, Jamie Carragher and Micah Richards live from the studio. Every UEFA Champions League match, along with the Europa League and Europa Conference League, available live and on demand on Paramount Plus. New subscribers get a one-month free trial now. Go to paramountplus.com/mib and use that promo code Advance. Price Picks is the easiest, the most exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to a hundred dollars. New game day shirt? Boom!
1: Cashback! Food for the tailgate? Boom! Cashback! Even buying a round can earn you cashback when you use your debit card with Discover Cashback Debit. Everyone can earn cashback on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W. But you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction, eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit.
0: Discover Bank, member FDIC. You're listening to the Men in Blazers media network, suboptimal radio. There's
1: a challenge here, but what an arena to do it in. These are things that only dreams are made of in that sense and how we approach this game is going to be pivotal in, in, in that really. And we need to look forward and relish this opportunity which we have.
0: This is Rog, and you're listening to European Nights, presented by Paramount Plus, the show that dreams of European football, just like you, dear listener, and just like Scotty Parker. Remember him, Fulham fans, Angele aficionados, because Scotty P showed us last week that dreams can come true. Yes, in a storyline that might have flown under your radar, Scott Parker. Just made his managerial debut, became only the fifth Englishman to lead a team into the knockout rounds of the Champions League as he marched out onto the sideline with Club Bruges, the squad he took over on New Year's Eve. It didn't end well, yes, a 2-0 loss to Benfica, but it is a delight to imagine Scott Parker bringing his skills to the highest level of club football along with his ability to make every team talk after a loss sound like some remix of a rare streets B-side. in is Singular Twang, a reminder if you needed one, what a pleasure it is to have our cherished competitions back in our loving arms. And here's the good news. This week, we go again. And here to work through every knot and massage out the storylines to my co-host, Chief Soccer Correspondent for the New York Times, author, extraordinaire, raconteur, savant bon viveur, the pride of Yorkshire, it's Mr. Rory Smith. Hello, how are you doing? Oh, Rory is looking, for those of you who are listening on your pod machines, very, very French today and a very fetching piece of knitwear of his own but Rory off the top cagey (laughs) opening week of Mm -hmm. Champions League football just the five goals in four close
1: fought ties but what was your pick of the strikes from last week's action and why? Well just before I do that just to make clear this is my jumper I do own it but I did not knit it I don't want to take take credit for something I didn't do
0: Leave that to our audience's imagination, at this point I believe, and I think because of that they do, you can do anything, Rory Smith
1: the, I think my, my favourite goal had to be the Adeyemi's for Dortmund against Chelsea Adiemi
2: looking for an instant response look at this run from Brandt, against Enzo Fernandez solo, Adiemi into the area, rounds the goalkeeper, empty nets. a one man counter-attack that draws first blood
1: that was, it was a great champion great counter-attack, it was football and it's purest essence it was a man and a ball running at great pace towards a 120 million dollar argentinian and then going around him going around the goalkeeper who was i think once the most expensive goalkeeper in the world maybe maybe still is the most expensive goalkeeper in the world um and sending the uh the traditionally named signal iduna park uh bananas and that was a great championship moment and it leaves chelsea on the brink as well because they obviously they've got a second leg as graham Potter, kind of made clear they they think they can take to the game at Stamford Bridge, but Dortmund on the break with a goal to hang on to, that could be a major setback for Todd Bowley's uh, grand experiment in seeing how much money you can spend on a football team in a shorter <laughs> space of time as possible.
0: I think he's measuring as a control group for success, taking that same amount of money, putting it in a garbage can and setting it on fire. Which, which is better? Which is a greater ROI? But that was <laughs> a truly astounding way to announce yourself onto the global stage for the 21-year-old Eddie Amy. The confidence, the touch, the scorching speed, the backflip, a goal worthy of being splashed across some future Dortmund Tifo. who has been linked amongst others with Liverpool, which is where we are headed next. In this packed episode today, games and stories are plenty to revel in. And in this all-you-can-eat buffet of action, which we will preview, remember, you can watch it all live, on demand, Where? Exclusively on Paramount Plus. New subscribers get a one-month free trial now by going to ParamountPlus.com slash M I B. Use the promo code advance. And now let's jump right into it, Rory. To the football. Oh, man. was my one-time dad, oh, Mr. Carlo Ancelotti, along with Edda Militao and Vinicia celebrating last season's Champions League victory on an open-top bus at the Cibeles Fountain in Madrid. And today, 269 days later, we are blessed. With a rematch of that very same final, but round 016 style. Liverpool host Real Madrid Tuesday, 3 pm Eastern on Paramount Plus. What a different sheen this fixture emits than the one we shared nine months ago in May. Liverpool then, having chased a quadruple for months, were a lean, Hungry collective really a cappella harmonizes to a man, undone though by a Real Madrid composed of a spine of virtuistic soloists, courtois unbeatable, the hard running of Valverde opening space for the daring Vinicius Junior and that singular assassin Benzema. And Rory, as a Liverpool fan yourself, I don't need to remind you how that final went down but I will. (laughs) A low low drive from Valverde, finding a totally alone Vinicius at the back post in the 59th minute. But this season, things have shifted for both clubs. Let's start in Madrid, where Colo Ancelotti has so much to solve. Most glaring areas, fullback, where Camavinga, signed for his prodigy in centre midfield, has become a routine sight, filling in at left back. And in the forward areas, where they lack a true goal scorer to change things up when Karim Benzema has been injured or unable to crack a defence himself. Now, we know from your storytelling last season, Colin Chalotti is not an ideal log. He's no fan of tactical rigidity. He's that quiet leader who purrs, allowing his big-time players to soak up all the oxygen. But right now, if Real Madrid was a garden... So it's looking slightly unkempt and overgrown. They're a different beast in Europe. They always are, Rory. But eight points behind Barcelona in La Liga. How have they fallen off course this season? And does any of that matter in the Champions League, where history has shown us Madrid,
1: rarely more dangerous, like baby, than when someone tries to put them in a corner? Yeah, their the lead form's been a bit strange, really. They've, they've lost three times, which, OK, for Madrid is is not great. Real Madrid, you know, our, our victory, their success, their triumph, their glory, they don't lose at Mallorca. That's not built into Real Madrid's DNA. But at the same time, I don't think their lead form has been disastrous by any stretch of the imagination. It's just that Barcelona have been in La Liga, certainly not in the Champions League and as we saw against Manchester United last week, not necessarily in the Europa League either. In Domestically, Barcelona have been pretty imperious. They can swap teams aside. They don't really concede goals. They... They've accrued, to be honest, a fairly staggering number of points given where this Barcelona team is in its in its kind of genesis, and that makes Real Madrid look bad. Throw in quite a lot of injury problems, particularly for Karim Benzema, um, but they've they've been without various key players, as you say, particularly at left back and in midfield at various points in the season. I suspect there's a degree of fatigue set in, not just from from winning the Champions League last season, but also from having so many players at the World Cup. It's been a sort of a stop-start season for Real Madrid. There have been times when they've looked pretty good. There have been times when they look a little flat. I think unkempt is actually quite a good word for them, to be honest. I think that kind of sums it up. That that It's not that they're not still beautiful, but it, they kind of haven't brushed their hair. And I think that <laughs> <laughs> that isn't that unusual for Real, to be perfectly honest. They, they aren't necessarily always serene in La Liga. They do have games where they you don't they're elite athletes, so that it it can't possibly be this, but it does look a bit like they forget to turn it on. And it all goes away in the Champions League. That said, last year we should remember it went away in a really weird way in the Champions League because basically Real Madrid were the worst team in all of their games, except for periods of about five minutes at which point they put the opposition to the sword, won the tie, made it through. They were a really hard team to to read last season. And to be honest, given the perspective of, we talked last week about the World Cup final, but there were three games in that Real Madrid run to the final last season that just made no sense. I was at the PSG game in the burnabout, and after an hour or so, PSG had won it. Real Madrid were finished. You looked at them and thought, well, that that team cannot possibly hurt this team. And then in the blink of an eye, PSG were out against Chelsea they did it the wrong way round. they they played brilliantly at Stamford Bridge in patches looked to have the tie put to bed threw it away at the Burnabout, and then kind of remembered at the end oh yeah we'd better win this game (laughs) so they ended up sneaking through I think they lost two three on the night but they went through on aggregate and then against Manchester City they were done they were out in the 90th minute and Manchester City would go into the final and it, the chances are it would have been an all-English final. Man City against Liverpool, which would have felt appropriate. Probably the two best teams in Europe by lead form, that's last season. And then suddenly there's Rodrigo and Real Madrid are in extra time. And throughout that period of extra time, there was only one conclusion and that was that Real Madrid were going to win. But in extra time, they were not the better team. They do kind of defy reason in Europe and partly because of that and partly because I think their lead form has been explicable and also not that bad I suspect that we should expect to see the Real Madrid that we always get when they pitch up at Anfield.
0: God just remembering the beats of last year's miraculous campaign really tactical witchcraft is the only way of explaining what we saw with our own eyes but Liverpool, talking of off course, my Lord, this Liverpool who followed up that quadruple march of folly by utterly disintegrating as a collective for much of this season. Yes, a recent rally. We are not recency biased people on this podcast, but I am contractually obliged to remind listeners of a 2-0 victory over Feeble Feebles Everton followed by a fine win this weekend up at Newcastle. Mo Salah, Cody Gapko, Darwin Nunez finding a pulse at last, a very open space... And an even more welcome sight, the return of Virgil van Dijk along with Diogo Jota and Roberto Firmino to the matchday squad. But these are very much not old days. Many theories abound to try and explain Liverpool's shocking fall from the pinnacle this season from quadruple chaser. Too hunted to mix metaphors. Some point to a lack of funds, as FSG have toyed with a sale but look likely to take on investment partners. Other point to the loss of key front office thought leaders, like FSG president Mike Gordon and the ex Liverpool sporting director Michael Edwards stepping off. That's led to a lack of position in the transfer market. Others still said that yes, Klopp can build a squad, but he's never been able to rebuild one. Rory, what's your thinking as to how Liverpool have gone from
1: peerless force to mortal, or in Bant's terms, mid in the blink of an eye? It's, it's a little bit of everything, to be honest. I, I suspect there's a lot of, of physical fatigue that's set in for Liverpool after last season. I think there's certainly a psychological fatigue. And to be honest, you probably see an echo of that in Real Madrid, that it will have taken a lot out of Real emotionally to complete all those comebacks. That might partly explain why they've been a little bit kind of, yeah, not not quite as inspired this season. Liverpool are a much more pronounced version of that. They've had injury problems as well. I'm I'm slightly reticent to to use the return of Van Dijk as an to give it its planetary power for the turnaround, because a lot of the bad results came with Virgil van Dijk in the team.
2: Um, So it's not (laughs) like they've been
1: missing van Dijk and he's back now, so it's okay. I think there are other structural issues. I think teams like Liverpool system teams are really susceptible to losing certain players in certain positions. And that sounds like an excuse, but when everything is so sort of finely tuned... It doesn't take much to throw one little thing out. And as soon as one little thing has gone out, I think everything falls apart. That's the that's the vulnerability of teams who are built to play in that one specific way. There's no question that they've they failed to strengthen from a position of strength. Uh, they, I think Klopp probably has rightly been accused of being a little bit too loyal of maybe not seeing the need to refresh as early as he should. And I think that's all come together. And, and what you've got is a team that, when it functions fully, is irresistible and powerful and incredibly impressive but kind of like a formula one car when when one little part isn't working the whole thing just kind of grinds to a halt and that's that's been my impression of Liverpool this season I'd be again reluctant to say that the last week or so indicates a turnaround they have had patches this season where they've won a couple of games I think they won four either side of the World Cup and they haven't been able to sustain it the challenge for Liverpool is sustaining it and to be perfectly honest the challenge for Liverpool really is sustaining it against Crystal Palace in the league. I think whatever they get against Real Madrid is is a is a colossal bonus. I suspect certainly at Anfield they'd probably take not being beaten heavily at this stage. There have been signs against Everton and Newcastle that they're maybe finding a bit of rhythm again. And that's where the seed of hope is. But Real Madrid is, is Real Madrid. And although they have absentees, they have injuries, they're not quite in gear themselves, the contrast in which gear each of these teams is in is still pretty stark so liverpool i guess will have to hope that seeing real confronting the ghost sparks something into life i'm not 100 sure that's actually how football works
0: but by the way you've just absolutely informed my understanding of everton's season by talking about real madrid and liverpool being exhausted by just incredible feats past the drain the shattering emotionally mentally Escaping relegation in such dramatic terms last season. That's what's done Everton in and why they have to escape relegation again this season. God bless you, Rory Smith. I'm always learning. Roll on Tuesday. A fascinating and complex two-legged tilt-a-wait. So much history. So many ghosts. So much previous in this one. The Champions League really is the everything for these two teams in seasons past when their league campaigns haven't panned out. We'll see if it is again. That one, Tuesday, 3 pm Eastern Time. We'll be back to go deep on the incredible journey of Europe's most informed number nine after a quick break.
2: The Duepa Champions League on Paramount Plus enters the knockout phase where Messi and Mbappé form a show-stopping dream team. Unstoppable in Paris! America's shooting stars shine bright. What a hit! And all the top clubs from Manchester to Munich are on the hunt for some hardware. Oh, that is beautiful! Because on this stage, winning is all that matters. Stream every UEFA Champions League match live exclusively on Paramount+.
0: Price Picks is the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states across the country, including so many of my favorites: California, Texas, and Georgia. Godspeed, Georgia! I'm hungry for a dozen lemon pepper wets. But back to prize Picks. We've been hearing from so many WGFOPS who are loving Double P, Pablo Picasso, Prize Picks, which allows them to win up to 25 times their money for the soccer season. Is a reason I do appreciate Price Picks because it's simple. During the Premier League match days, I've got roughly two hundred and thirty-nine tabs on my computer open as we attempt to work out our social media, the pod rundown, the upcoming interview. You get the drift, but because Price Picks is easy to play, I'm not having to constantly click to see how my gents are doing or how many certain actions are worth. You select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and you place your entry. That is how easy it can be. You also mix and match players from several leagues across the globe. Luca De La Torre, I'm looking at you, as well as other sports like basketball oh, and hockey. Oh, the capitals. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. It's promo code MIB. Price picks. Pick more or pick less. It's that easy. in and out of Italian and Neapolitan dialect, that was, of course, Nino D'Angelo's 1988 ode to Napoli, Napoli, Napoli. The high-flying, swashbuckling, chest-thumping team who arrive at the Champions League knockout stage as one of Europe's searingly must-watch, informed teams This week, Napoli travel away to Maverick German darlings, Eintracht Frankfurt, for the first leg of their round of 16 tie. I cannot wait for this one. Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern on Paramount+. And we speak a little bit about Syria's A's current league leaders back in the first half of the season. That peculiar footballing culture rising from the sea in the south of Italy. We talked about the meteoric rise of their slaloming winger Kovicca Cavaratella And key to Cavara's success has been the understanding he's formed with the gent we'll talk about today. One Victor Osserman, who's netted nine goals in his last seven games. League leading 18 goals on the season.
2: Here, flick to the back post for Victor Osimhen on his right. Oh! oh, what a strike! No wasted movement from the league's top scorer,
0: Cavara and Osimhen. Oh, they've combined for six goals together in Syria already. And while Cavara's emergence in Italy has felt dazzling and instantaneous. Ossaman's story winds slightly longer. Three years senior to Kavara, Ossaman came to Napoli from Lille, signed back then for a club record 80 million euros in July 2020. But long before he became Napoli's number nine and the most expensive African player ever, Ossaman's life was one of struggle. He grew up in the town of Ojota in the outskirts of Lagos. The defining feature of that area. Is the Olas landfill nestled in the pocket of the interchange of two of the city's busiest expressways? Is the continent's largest waste dumping area sprawling across a hundred acres, creeping closer and closer to the settlements around it? As Lagos undergoes exponential growth, 10,000 pounds of waste arrive at Olas daily, piling into pyramids of refuse where over a thousand Lagosians come to salvage and sort recyclable waste. These, these were Victor Osserman's stomping grounds. An area, in his words, they don't promise you anything. No one wants to give you anything. You have to work for everything. And he was the youngest of seven siblings. Victor said he worked tirelessly after the passing of his mother when he wasn't running alongside cars selling water on the nearby expressway. He lived on the nearby football pitch, that of a community club, Peric FC, a humble dirt pitch from which you can see the teetering mounds of Ola Soshin lurking in the distance. So football from the very beginning, was the make or break for Victor. He was mentored by an academy, ultimate strikers, made the life-altering decision to take the nine-hour car trip to capital city Abuja for the Nigerian team's 2015 Under-17 World Cup Open trials. He joined that team where he'd eventually win the tournament in Chile, break the Under-17 World Cup goal-scoring record along the way. And Rory, in this moment, a 17-year-old player with immense talent, but absolutely no safety net, no institutional knowledge, no support resources. How much of a small miracle is it that he didn't slip through the cracks? What what are the structures that can locate, identify and process an individual like
1: Victor Ossiman? Well, yeah, I mean, it is a miracle, to be honest. I guess that there would have been some support from the Nigerian Federation to help him because he wouldn't have had an agent necessarily. And you'd hope that at United Strikers, they would have some kind of safeguarding measures in place to allow their players to... To take chances to join European clubs. Because ultimately that's what all of those academies are there for. That's what they're trying to find. They're trying to find the next player they can they can export. They're trying to give those kids a chance. And you know, there's a couple of them that are quite famous now, Generation on foot in Senegal, that I think players like Sadio Mane came through, they seem to have a kind of connection to Metz, the French team, as the place that they know they can place their best players. Whether that's the case with every academy in Africa, I'm not sure. And as you say, Ossimens' awesome story is almost so extreme that it's, it's remarkable that he's basically made really good choices throughout his career. You know, he at, at, at that World Cup, the 2017 World Cup, that, those games are attended. I guess you'll get some local fans who go to watch. You'll get, you know, interested observers. You'll get family members of the players taking part, but mainly the people there are scouts. There are loads and loads of scouts and agents at those games, because they are all looking for the next big thing. I think we've just had the South American Under Twenty Championship, and that will be similar. That you know there are people there just watching for clubs, for agencies, for for uh, kit manufacturers, for Adidas and Nike and Puma and the rest of them. They are looking for talent. They're looking to see who who is coming next. And Osimhen will have had, as you say, because he scored so many goals, he will have had countless offers, not just from clubs but from. From agents as well, some legitimate, some not, <laughs> uh, to look after him, clubs wanting to sign him. And he chose Wolfsburg. And I think, although it, it never really happened for him at Wolfsburg, that that probably was was a really sensible choice to make. That you go into that German system, you know... You're, get, you're, you're going to get that modern footballing education, but also I don't think it's quite as rapacious. It's not quite as quick turnaround as it can be in other countries. And that I suspect really helped Osserman's development.
0: Yeah, the Volksberg experience was fascinating. You can look online and see video of a teenage Osserman, soft-spoken, humble, long from filling out his wiry frame, really left the pitch for the place to do his talking.
2: As a striker, who is your role model? did a job. Because mm. uh, he's the kind well, of... you're not as big as him. Uh, of course. Yeah, because um, he's the kind of um, player I would, just, I would like to be as a player and as a person.
0: Any young strikers in their youth before really an academic reading of the game has matured their raw attributes, you can see the silhouette of the players that they might become. I think early on, Osserman was identifiably a student of Drogba, leaping early and high to drive downwards on headers, flying off the last man, shooting so hard, he often twisted himself backwards. And at Wolfsburg, yes, he got some playing time, but knee and shoulder issues, about a malaria, really a struggle to adapt to Germany. 16 appearances, no goals in two seasons. It could have ended there. But in the summer of 2018, his fate fell into the hands of mid-table Charleroi, south of Belgium, taking a chance on the Nigerian on loan. And finally, suddenly... It all began to come together in that environment. 20 goals for Osserman at Charleroi grew into the level of the competition, adopted the trademark bleached hair, and was sold on to Lille for 23 million euros in 2019. Just 75 miles southwest, but a world away, filled the gaps left by the departing Nicolas Pepe. Remember him, Arsenal fans, and Raphael Liao in Christopher Gaultier's fast-breaking attack. And at Lille, Osseman announced himself immediately, following up a 20th-minute opener on his debut against Nantes with the 80th-minute winner.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: Osserman's 18 goals for Lille. Revealed him into the mainstream, his mindset sharpened, his game developed, Napoli compelled to gamble on what they saw. And this is a club that's had a long, long love affair with franchise number nines. Edinson Cavani, Gonzalo Higuain preceded the striker, Osserman was to replace. Milic, whose initially bright Napoli career faded somewhat after an ACL injury, Rory what did they see in Osman? What was it about this marriage that made sense to them back in 2020? I think it's probably two things.
1: One is is the the, the talent that he'd shown first at Charleroi, then at Lille. That you know he was by that stage one of the most in-demand strikers in in Europe. Certainly the most in-demand striker in France. And I suspect actually that thinking about it, I suspect that English teams might have been put off by what happened to Nicolas Pepe at Arsenal. That they might have wondered okay, we're not sure just for the time being whether Lille is a reliable guide to how this is going to go. And by the way, that
0: is how knee-jerk and conservative and reactive football is at elite levels, which I always find staggering.
1: Well, it's ridiculous, but they'll know that Lille are difficult to deal with because they held on for a huge price from Arsenal. And they they may well have thought, okay, look, we need to see this guy somewhere else. But, you know, if you're Manchester United and you're watching him, because they will have been watching him, you don't end up scoring that many goals in France without every club in the Premier League watching you. (laughs) They will have thought, look, we're not sure if this guy's ready for us yet, so let's let him go somewhere else. And Napoli, I think, will have seen the speed, the finishing, the power of his finishing, the smartness of his movement, the, the way he drags the fences around. All of that stuff. And they'll have thought, as you say, this is a club that knows, obviously knows number 10s, but it also knows number 9s. And the other thing that I think is crucial is that Napoli would have realised there is resale value here. That if we sign this player for what for Napoli is a huge amount of money and he has two or three good seasons, we will make an absolute fortune selling him to England. And I think that was the risk they were they were more than happy to take.
0: Napoli, it needs to be said, not a straight line to glory. There have been regular injury struggles. This is a man who has battled thigh strains, a terrible face bone fracture, shoulder dislocation, just elaborate muscular strains, two long spells out with COVID. But at Napoli, Ossoman also had the space to grow into the identity of the team, to learn about himself and what seemed to click into place watching Victor in Napoli in this moment was oddly learning how to slow his game down to not try and be a 90-mile-per-hour player for 60 good minutes, but a 60-mile-per-hour player over the full 90, capable of hitting 100 when it matters. And as Napoli has shared long-time starting eleven stalwarts in Mertens, Kulabaye, and Insigne. Osserman has risen to fill that vacuum, risen to prominence in a dynamic, high-tempo, purposeful attacking system, capable of controlling matches, counter-pressing, dispatching blindingly fast attacking moves. Napoli are now 15 points clear at the top, 15 points. The city of Naples watches mesmerized, we're breath-baited for Spalletti, Ossaman, Cavara, and company to bring home their first league title since 1990. Rory, watching Ossaman has been really an honor this season. A new goal-scoring gear this gent has found, a wonderful partnership with Cavara. a mutually appreciative relationship with the Parte no P.I., the Napoli die-hard fan base. But what's different about Napoli this year? And leaving aside how that city might slide into the Gulf of Naples, celebrating a scudetto, they should be considered a real, genuine
1: contender in Champions League as well, right? I, yeah, absolutely. I, I think Napoli. It feels too much to say they can win it because I think to win the Champions League, you probably need to have more experience in the latter stages of the Champions League than Napoli currently have. That you that there's a sort of there's a wisdom that comes from having spent three or four seasons maybe, in the quarterfinals, the semifinals, there, there are so many obstacles and such elite teams standing in your way who are so canny, so knowledgeable about how to get through two-legged ties. Napoli don't really have any of that. On the plus side is the fact that I think they're probably the best team in Europe. They they are, I mean, sweeping Serie A aside, as you said. They they play this dynamic, very adaptable, very versatile football. You know, we talked earlier about Liverpool as a, as a kind of pure system team who... Who've fallen apart because one element of the system wasn't there or wasn't working? Napoli don't really have that issue because Napoli will change depending on their um, on on the components that are available to Luciano Spalletti. They they score goals. They don't concede many goals. They've recruited brilliantly. I mean, I don't think anyone thought that Kim Minjai would be when he when when they signed him from Fenerbahce in the summer would be a natural replacement, maybe even an upgrade on Khalidou Koulibaly. But he has been absolutely superb. No, literally nobody had heard of Tarek Schellier. in the months since he has come onto the scene people are saying oh well, you know such and such were watching him that Juve have claimed that they had a deal in place to sign him at one point Everton are always in for his yeah. players. we find out years later Everton were watching him when he was in, in Ruben Kazan's B team uh, yeah Na- turned him down Napoli, Napoli did the deal they had the courage to do it even if even if everybody else was watching him, they had the courage to say, "Actually, we will do this deal." It was a strange deal because he was he wasn't at Rubin; he was at Dinamo Batumi, um, back in Georgia, just of the war. But Spalletti's not just recruited his way into this situation; he's he's got a tune out of players who've been there for a little while. He's found a real balance. He's, you know, an- added Andre Franzambor and Luisa, who who looked a little bit adrift in the Premier League at Fulham, but has turned into a superb midfielder for Napoli. He's um he's he's turned Hervin Lozano into a genuine attacking threat, which we knew he could be Lozano, but but he'd not really shown that before this season particularly, and at the centre of it all, I think is Osimen awesome. and the, the Spalletti's great kind of gift to football, if you want to call it that, is the false nine. Luciano Spalletti was the first manager to play with a false nine. He ran out of strikers at Roma, and he decided that the best way out of it was to play Francesco Totti on his own up front. Um, but asked him to still drop into those spaces that he would traditionally occupy as a 10 and thus was born the most misunderstood role in all of football and also what has become a synonym for, for rubbish striker that now when, when you have a striker who doesn't score goals, people assume they are a false nine when in fact they're just a bad nine. But Spalletti inve- invented that system in its purest form. But he's also got this great track record with, with turning strikers into goal machines. And we've seen that with Osserman as well, that he's taken a forward who had an ample talent, who had all the raw ingredients. And Spalletti has has tunneled them and fine-tuned them and turned him into this almost complete centre-forward. His idol as a kid, I guess, fairly predictably, was Didier Drogba. And although they are stylistically, I think, quite different, their, their strengths are different, they have that same sense of complete package about them. And Simply having a player like that, if, as you say, Osimen can make sure there are are no more ill timed injury issues in the next sort of three months, having a player like that in the Champions League with a fair wind gives you a chance because I'm not sure there is an outstanding team this season among the traditional elite. You know, PSG obviously lost to Bayern last week, but Bayern look a bit shaky domestically. Manchester City are the favourites and with good reason. But they're not flawless this season, and that th- there are times when you look at City and the think they look. Obviously, they've got their own striker who's quite good, but they look kind of defensively vul- vulnerable. I think it's not impossible. I think it will depend a little bit on the draw in the quarterfinals. If they make it through, they've got to beat Antrac Frankfurt first. But Napoli could certainly be looking at the semi-finals as a realistic ambition. And I and there's a there's a Champions League winning manager who I know who always said that his job. Was to get a team to the semi-finals of a competition. Because once you are in the semi-finals, anything can happen. As long as you get there, that's the manager. That's the manager's task. And I, I think it's not unreasonable to think that Napoli might make it to the semi-finals. Who said that? Uh, one of Everton's greatest ever managers, Rog, Gordon Kendall, uh, a former Champions League-winning manager, actually Rafa Benitez.
0: his job was getting us to 17th place. This is a version of European nights which is just filled with memory and trauma. But this game, Napoli hosting Eintracht Frankfurt. Roll on Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. It will be where... Only on Paramount Plus. Ossoman's opposite number, it should be said, Randall Colo Muani, another prodigy from that Paris Bondi suburb, known for producing a certain Mr. Killian Mbappe. He's bounced back for World Cup final heartbreak with real personality, four goals already in 2023, bringing his total to 10, and scattering in 12 assists on the season. Leading Frankfurt to slap a nine-figure price tag on the young Frenchman, Napoli Frankfurt, a modern number nine jewel for the ages. Again, only on Paramount Plus. We'll be back to talk about a more prodigious European talent after this.
2: The UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus enters the knockout phase. Messi and Mbappé form a show-stopping dream team. Unstoppable in Paris! America's shooting stars shine bright. What a hit! And all the top clubs from Manchester to Munich are on the hunt for some hardware. Oh, that is beautiful! Because on this stage, winning is all that matters. Stream every UEFA Champions League match live, exclusively on Paramount+.
0: It's Rog here to tell you about a product that I simply adore. It's been a long-time staple in the Bennett Refrigerator, Stoke cold brew coffee. Always bold, always smooth. Yes, that is the very same Stoke as in the mighty Wrexham Fortress, known as the Stoke Kairas or the Stoke Racecourse Wrexham AFC's home. They support it. They support football, which is just one great reason to love this coffee. It is my go-to enjoy during the football calendar, essentially the opposite of Everton, and you can check out their full lineup of 48-ounce cold brew products—something for everybody, from light to dark roast to seasonal favourites—in a refrigerated multi-serve format. I tell you this as someone whose blood type is now officially Stoke Espresso Blend. Have the coffee house experience at the comfort of your own home, and do it now. Stoke Cold Brew Coffee, and be sure to follow Wrexham AFC. Big love to all at Stoke. Courage. Oh yeah, I've always said football anthems just don't have enough piccolo in them. That was, of course, the hymn of Nantes, Allez Nantes. We're now off into the Europa League Well, last week... We saw, to be honest, a really good playoff round. A wide-open Barcelona shipped twice to Manchester United. Monaco and Leverkusen's you-score, I-score match ended with a 90-second-minute winner by Axel Dizassi. Plenty of deeply intriguing ties set up in the second leg of those playoffs. Rory, you take the Europa League today. What match are you looking at this week?
1: Yeah, I mean to be fair, the second leg of, of Monaco leverkusen should be fascinating. Uh, just as of how how beautifully poised the tie is. That was a really even game. I think five outstanding goals. If you haven't seen Florian Wirtz's footwork for Leverkusen's second, it's really worth catching. Um but I'm gonna go for Nantes Juve, because partly does Nantes is a great story that, you know, they're back in Europe for the first time in 20 years, um, under Antoine Kumbare, that it's out on the windswept uh west coast of france i have to remind myself which one's west and which one's east it's the one by the atlantic um they <laughs> i like
0: the way you know it's windswept but you just didn't it's, know definitely, your, it's definitely it's definitely windswept.
1: Points. roger i've flown into nantes it's windswept the um the <laughs> the it's a great stadium la Beaujoire. it's um it's a real traditional football in town real traditional football in powerhouse nantes in 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 what used to be French football before um, before the PSG thing happened. They were delighted to be in the playoff round of the Europa League. It's, it's every child's dream to be in the playoff rounds of the Europa League, I think. They went to Turin to play Juventus without any real, not hope, but expectation. They would they would go in because it was a great day out. It was a great European trip, one of the true giants of European football. And they went 1-0 down relatively early on. And I think they thought, OK, this is, you know, we've got to hold on, grit our teeth, gird our loins, Let's let's get through this. And in the second half, they ended up picking Juve off on the counter-attack. The goal that they scored was beautiful. There were two or three others that they really could have won that game. And it it sets it up perfectly for a return on the windswept coast of Western France. Because Nantes could go through. And if Nantes go through, that is yet another disaster for Juventus in a season that is becoming a real kind of ana cerebilis for Massimiliano Allegri, for all of the members of the board who've already resigned. There are police investigations, there's allegations of corruptions, there's criminal potential criminal charges lingering over the club. They've been docked 15 points already. They're having a bad time of it, Juventus, and Nantes could make it significantly worse.
0: I am so here, and I'm frightened by just how much I am here for Juventus's Europa League misadventures. That I derive so much joy Honestly, a shameful amount. It can only be a shameful amount of joy from that. But Nantes, what a team. What a rich heritage. A team that gave French football Marcel Desailliers, Didier Deschamps, and, of course, the one they all talk about across France when they think of this team, Alejandro Bedoya. That game, Thursday, 12.45 p.m. Eastern on Paramount+. Plus. The only thing that could make it even better is if it were in the competition that I am looking forward to the most this week, the Connoisseurs Conference League. Well, my pick for you, dear listener, is KAA Ghent away to Karabag FK in Azerbaijan Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern. Take the day off work for this one. If you remember, two weekends ago, KAA Ghent gave a debut to their new signing, Gift Orban, last season's top scorer, young player of the year in Norway. The 20-year-old Nigerian scored two incredible goals on his debut. And I can't wait to look at him in conference league play, which is like Orban. A gift that keeps on giving. And that rounds off the football for the day. A rich 45-minute appetizer to what we all actually tune in for, which is Rory's food recommendations. Let's go to Madrid where we will head on a walking tour of every single place. Carlo Ancelotti has sung Hala Madrid from an open-top bus, that wonderful, legendary, deserting bastard. And after working a party appetite, I'm not bitter, because we'll have covered some serious ground, Rory,
1: in Madrid. What are we eating? Well, I think we've done a couple of Madrid already, haven't we? We've done De Maria, which is the Argentinian steakhouse. Um, We've done Maison Chistu, which is it? the it's a traditional Basque restaurant that the Real Madrid players love. But I'm actually going to do go a little bit different this time. I think the best thing about Madrid, in certainly in the spring, is is walking around at night, enjoying the the balmy temperatures. So we're going to a, my favourite street in Madrid, which is called Cava Baja, which is just south of Mercado San Miguel, uh, and it's lots of little pincho bars, very Basque in 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 that sense, not particularly Madrileño, uh, but they you. It's the same as it is in San Sebastian, which is a city. One day, Rog, we will go to on European night. I would love. Um, but you go, you walk, you walk through the through the little restaurants. You get a little thing here, a little kind of anchovy on on some nice bread with a, t- a, a tomato sauce. It's delicious. You you have one, maybe you have two. <laughs> then you go to the next place. You have a couple more. Maybe there's some prawns this time. Who knows? Then you keep on going. You keep on going. You get to the end, and there's a lovely big square where you can sit and have a nice drink as the evening sun sets, it's perfect. It's what Europe should be. So we're going for a little walk down Cavabaja. I love
0: it. I love it. When you talk about San Sebastian, I'm like, David Silva, tribute, episode, incoming. But you, in that beautiful sweater of yours, would probably just fit right into every joint down Cavabaja. And a, a dish that I would revel in with you, that wonderful Madrid stew, Cosido completo, that chickpea and chicken based stew that I think is right up the Rory Smith alley. Traditionally, served first with a bowl of cooked vermicelli over it, ladled into a very delicious broth. And when you made your way through that, the vegetable and meats arrive in your bowl. That's how life should be. And Rory, if this show is about anything, it's about pioneering, talent scouting, vermicelli noodles and local stew. Those... Those are my values. And that is all from us today, dear listeners. I hope we've made you every bit as enthusiastic about this week's round of matches as we are. Rory, honestly, Godspeed to your boys against Carlo Ancelotti. That man is like an elephant who supports Everton. He never forgets, but
1: thank you as ever. I suspect they will need your best wishes, Rog.
0: I love the idea of an elephant that supports Everton. Liverpool versus Real Madrid. Eintracht Frankfurt versus Napoli. Leipzig versus Manchester City. And Inter versus Porto. Yes, the Jose Mourinho derby. Watch them all. Plus the Europa League. Plus the big one, the Conference League. Exclusively on demand on Paramount+. Remember, new subscribers... Go and get your one-month free trial now. Go to paramountplus.com slash MIB. Use the promo code ADVANCE and courage, listeners. Or as they say in Italy, Coraggio! Coraggio! Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey.